Welcome to the Investor Download, the podcast about the themes driving markets and the economy now and in the future. I'm your host, David Brett. It's been barely a minute. If you haven't listened to the previous episode in this feed with Bethany McLean on the fall of Enron, then please give it a listen first. Because in this short episode, I speak to fund manager Juan Torres Rodriguez, who interviewed Bethany. We pick up on some of the points Bethany makes throughout the pod and discuss some of the techniques Juan uses when he invests to try to avoid investing in companies such as Enron. I hope you enjoy it. Juan, uh, welcome to the show. It's the first time we've had a crossover officially between the value perspective and the investor download. Yeah. Uh, hello. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. Thanks for doing this. Obviously, you hosted the podcast with Bethany, which was an absolutely fascinating chat. Um, I've got a few points that I do want to pick up on that were of interest to me, but I just wondered, was there anything that she said specifically that you picked up on that made you change your process or question your process? Um, well, not really. I mean, we in the value team, we're quite obsessed with trying to understand human behavior and the psychology of markets. And the whole idea of having her on the podcast was something that Carson Block mentioned on a previous episode when he said that the job of trying to uncover fraud, corporate fraud in the past was done by journalists and that the industry had changed so much that they didn't have the bandwidth, the scope or the agenda to go for the stories. And so it was the role of the activist short seller, their responsibility to try to uncover many of these frauds. And that specific uh, angle that he touched upon the journalist struck a chord with us. And that's why we decided to reach out to Bethany, who was very keen to come on the podcast. And it's just absolutely fascinating listening to her because she has been covering corporate fraud in the US for the last 20 years. I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but she is the only journalist the Sackler family from Purdue Pharma has given an interview to, which you can access on, on I think it's Vanity Fair magazine. And, and so, I mean, for us, it's just fascinating to understand how people approach markets and at, one po- at, what, at what point a leader of a company just goes a little bit off track. And if there are any signs that you can, uh, you can pick from before that will stop you as an investor to get into that sort of trouble. Okay, so that actually brings me nice on to a question. I mean, how do you, as an investor, find the confidence to question a leader's decision-making and how do you know when you're close or not close enough to a management team? Because you have to go and meet them, right? So funny enough, as part of our process and because of what I just mentioned before, we're quite interested and obsessed with human behavior. And one of the things that you don't, we try to prevent is getting biased. And there is this whole thing about every time that you meet someone even if you have all the protections from a psychological point in place, whatever that person says is going to bias you. So as part of our process, we try to avoid as much as possible meeting the management of yeah, different interesting. Uh, corporates or the companies that we invest in. We do reach out to the financial directors or the CFOs or the accounting people, but we go for very specific questions on things that are very specific in our research. 
And we don't tend to ask that much about grant strategy and how things are going to go forward because whatever they say will bias, will bias you. And so I think that that's the way that we stop ourselves from getting engaged in the allure of many of these very big personalities when they are making very big pitches or they have a very vocal strategy going forward or are, are very self-promotional about themselves or the companies. How does that work in practice? Is there like a specific checklist or does it change whichever company you're speaking to? So we, as part of our process, follow a what we call a seven red question checklist that we uh, pass through every single company that we are looking at. And those questions are very broad in nature, although you can make them very specific to answer very specific uh, points. But more than anything, through that research, which covers everything from the strength of the balance sheet, any of the risks outside of the balance sheet, whether or not uh, earnings convert into cash flow, you are trying to understand the business of the company and the accounts, whether or not the accounts are a good reflection of that business. And through that process, in many occasions, you will have questions. And then what we do is we try to shoot an email to the FDs or the CFOs asking for specific questions. And sometimes we look for calls with them as well. But we we try to limit those questions as much as possible. And in many occasions, there we don't believe that there is any specific need to ask anything because the accounts are quite clear or there's nothing substantial that would require us to reach out to them. So we just kind of stop there. Yeah, uh, funny you say that because Bethany insinuates in your interview that there is a certain amount of investor blindness that goes on. You know, investors sometimes just believe in the story wholeheartedly, even though the facts and figures are staring them right in the face. As she admits with Enron, it was there for everyone to see, just no one actually saw it until she got tipped off. So how do, how do you guard yourself against that sort of blindness? So I think that because we're the value investors, we tend to look for opportunities when already something has happened. So we are not going after the very hype story, the one that has everyone's attention, the one where expectations have already been built into the prices of the securities. When we approach a new investment security, is because something has already happened. And most unlikely, most likely, uh, if it's the result of corporate fraud or accounting mismanagement, then that will, will already have been reflected on the price of the security and hence we, we remove that potential risk. Yeah, and that feels like, I mean, Bethany talks about it again. It, it got a little bit dark towards the end of the podcast talking about fraud within uh, corporate finance, but they're also talking about... Um, potentially uh, an epidemic within the investment community, people not willing to stand up and say they don't understand stuff. So, I mean, how do you find the confidence or how do you make sure that you question something when you, you know, you're there, your ego might get bruised to say, look, I really don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? Well, I think as the value investors and contrarians, we, our egos are bruised all the time <laughs> because we have the markets constantly telling us that we are wrong. And so I don't think that we, we suffer that much from, we, we don't, we are not scared about raising our hands and saying, look, this, this, this situation is very complex. Um, the accounting here is very difficult to understand, or I don't, I don't follow the business model. And just like we stay away from, from the investment per se. We, of every 10 
companies that we look at, only one will make it into a portfolio and the other nine are either because you're not being compensated for the risk that you're taking or because the valuation is wrong or we spot a value trap or or just because we don't really understand what's going on. And I think that that's, that's a very powerful thing to have uh, within your investor toolkit. Yeah, you mentioned there, as a value investor, you are generally standing out from the crowd or, or necessarily the tide might be going against you. How difficult do you find that as, a, as an investor? It, it's incredibly difficult. As, as I mentioned before, we spend a lot of our time on the value team reading and educating ourselves about human behavior and psychology and the psychology of markets. And one of the reasons we came out with the whole value perspective podcast on decision-making under uncertainty was to reach out to people that have to deal with a lot of uncertainty within their regular jobs and try to understand what mental cues and how, from a psychological perspective, they they dealt with uncertainty on a day-to-day basis and what sort of tools we could learn from them that would make us better investors, but also better at making decisions on our personal lives. It doesn't really matter how much you prepare for this. When you have the market against you, it's just very, very hard. And I think that the only thing that can help you go through that, those periods, at least, is to have a very strong belief in the investment process that you have built and be around mind people that think and see the world like you that will bring that emotional support so that you will get through to the other side. And do you have people on the team that might take the opposite side to help you question your own processes? Yes. So one of the tools that many people on the podcast have mentioned to or or made a reference to is red teaming. And so the team many times will get together on specific cases and I mean, it's, it's not formatted. There's no one specifically taking the other side of the role, but they might ask questions to try to validate whether or not you are, you are, you have thought about all the different risks on any specific situation. The other thing that is very unique to our team is that by culture, every single fund and product is co-managed. And that means that I, every time that a new investment idea comes along, two people will be looking at it. And so... By definition, people will look at risks very differently or think about upside and risk, downside risk from a very different perspective. And that that can be extremely powerful. I tend to say that co-management is one of those things that it either works very well or it doesn't work at all. In our team, um, a little bit following the lead of our two cohorts, which have been working together for, I think, 15 or 16 years, seeing that relationship is so powerful that everyone that has joined the team after that resembles and replicates that specific culture. And so when you have that sort of relationship, it humbles you down and it opens your mind to uh, understand that someone else can look at things from a very different perspective and and it can be extremely powerful. Bethany also mentions that you know, 20 odd years ago when Enron did collapse, while the information was there, there's not the proliferation of information that we have now within markets. So just from, again, an investor's point of view, how do you decide what information is critical and what information you just shift aside? And is it different on a case-by-case basis? I think that we allow the numbers to speak for themselves as part of our process. I think that that's also a little bit different from many other market participants. We are not very much interested in forecasting the future. We spent a lot of our time looking at the past. And so we build models that go back 10, 15 or 20 years. And the reason for that is we're trying to understand how a business operates through more than one market cycle. And so just by allowing the numbers to speak, 
without getting biased by the story and the narrative that is present on the market, we try to uncover the best investment opportunities and stay away from the ones that might get us in trouble. Now, no, no, no investor makes no mistakes. So uh, this can only help you protect going forward. And just final question. Um, you ended on, as I said, a rather dark note about fraud in the markets. Bethany's view was there was quite a lot of it probably going on. What's your, because it feels quite sad, especially as people, you know, are trying to make a living out of it and trying to do the best for their clients or trying to do the best for themselves. What's your view of the situation? Well, we've gone through a decade or more of very low interest rates where money has been very cheap. And I think that people might have uh, gotten a little bit carried away. And you have seen over the course of the last two years, some of the most expensive sites of the market starting to reflect that those circumstances if you talk to people that have been around for in this business for a very long time, they will tell you that where interest rates are heading, it's actually the, the normal in the context of history and it's not the other way around. And so Bethany was making the point that there must be a lot of fraud going on and you have already seen the bubble on the venture capital side of the equation um, peak. Um, I mean, we'll just need to wait and see what what unravels going forward. Uh, like you say, hard to predict the future, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Juan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very it's much. It's been for a fabulous you. crossover. Thank Cheers you. for that. Thank you. Cheers. Well, that was the show. We very much hope you enjoyed it. If you want to find out more, check out our website, schroders.com forward slash the investor download. You can also get in contact with us about anything in the show or ideas for future shows at Schroders Podcast at schroders.com. Please remember to subscribe to us at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review. We're now doing one show a week, which will be available every Thursday from 5pm UK time. Thanks very much for listening, but above all, keep safe and go well. Cheers. The value of investments and the income from them may go down as well as up. And investors may not get back the amounts originally invested. Past performance is not a guide to future performance. The information is not an offer, solicitation or recommendation of any funds, services or products or to adopt any investment strategy. 